From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. It's group therapy for the paranormally affected. Phone number to call in is 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Toll free, 855-853-4802. That's the fastest and quickest and easiest way for you to get your ghost story on the air. Of course, you can always write into us as well on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want the bonus episode of our show every single week, we are doing it for you. And we've created essentially kind of a VIP area. If you help support the show, you become an EPP. It's an extra podcast person. It's only five bucks a month. Or if you want to do 10 or 15, that's up to you. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps keep our show on the air and uh, support all the costs that go into producing the show. Um, that's up to you. But go to our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the EPP section or become an EPP. And uh, you will be on the list to get a bonus episode sent to you every single week. And there'll be a whole lot of other perks coming along with that uh, in the coming weeks, months, and years of Real Ghost Stories Online. And you get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are supporting this broadcast that we're trying to put out to you every single day. So thank you in advance for helping out there. Of course, whatever uh, medium you're listening to us on, maybe it's your first time listening, uh, press subscribe and uh, start getting into the show. It's free every single day. But of course, like we like I said, we have those extras for the uh, the EPPs, and uh, lots of great shows for you. So press subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, whatever you may be listening to us on. On today's show, we got uh, some follow up for you uh, and some advice for some of our friends, uh, including our friend Richard in Chattanooga. Some uh, updates, uh, not updates from Richard, but uh, some uh, some uh, suggestions for him from some of our listeners. Um, and Richard, if you're out there listening, I got to say this, uh, Richard, please email us um, because there's a lot of folks who have reached out to us privately uh, to get you uh, some some help uh, and, and get you some advice. And I'd like to email you directly uh, some of those uh, those pieces uh, of advice and some of those contact info. So, uh, Richard, please email me, Tony, T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com so I can get you uh, the uh, the information that's being uh, passed along to us, okay? Uh, in fact, speaking of Richard, let's uh, talk about uh, some of the stuff that uh, some folks have written in. Uh, one person says, Richard, please watch The Exorcist Files on YouTube. There's a guy who works with the church to help with uh, situations such as yours. Uh, his name is Adam Bly. But uh, if you watch the first episode of this show, I believe uh, you'll be well equipped with enough info to get in touch with Adam, and he'll help. There's no charge. I wish you and your family the best. So I'm assuming maybe there's some contact info up there on that show for that man. I'm not sure. Um, some of the people who have reached out to us are not that man, um, but we do have some private contacts for you, Richard. So like I said, please do write in. I was just doing a search a few minutes ago to see, looking for an email from Richard. And I don't believe we've ever gotten one. I think we it's just always the calls, which is right. fine. Yeah. But I'd like to uh, to just privately you know, email and, and get in the, that info. So yeah, that would be good. I feel we were kind of texting that to him. <laughs> okay. Because I don't even know if he's calling from a, a cell phone or a landline or whatnot. But well, anyway. and we know that, you know, it's a crapshoot whether or not with he'll get it yeah. with the phone. Exactly. So uh, please do, uh, like I said, reach out to us, Richard, that way, and we can uh, pass some of that stuff along to you. Some other follow-ups. Uh, no sage in an aerosol spray would not work. 
Okay. okay. All right. Uh, you need white sage, and it's the smoke from the smudging that cleanses. See. What is the smudging? Do you know what the smudging is? It's the burning of sage. Is that all that means? Is just burning? Yeah. See, when I hear the word smudging, I'm like literally thinking you're taking the burn, the ashes, and you're like, you know, smudging it around on windows or something. I don't think so. Let me look it up real quick. Okay. I could be completely off on this, but uh, so so there you go. Uh, that would not... Uh, what if you... Uh, <laughs> the essence of the burn sage, but there'll be no real oils there because it's very dry. Just trying to come up with an idea for you know, demon away. Every single day, working hard. <laughs> These as seen on TV, Demon Away products. Um, we have a lot of sage in our garden. We could burn some. I don't know if it's the right sage. I does it matter? I mean, it says white sage here, but I didn't know that there was multiple variants on sage. I was just growing it for Thanksgiving to put in the turkey. But hey, if it keeps demons away as well and keeps the turkey delicious, that's a that's an amazing herb right there. I think the Colonel uses it as one of the seven. Any uh, any results on your smudging search? It's it's just what we thought. Just I, burning? Okay. Yeah, I don't see that you have to, like, wipe it on anything. Just a fancy word for burning. Okay. Uh, another uh, uh, piece of feedback here that is definitely an EVP, and this is referring to that piece of audio we had with Richard the other day with the shh-type sound. Okay. That was me, by the way, not an EVP. It was like a scream. It, yeah, a lot of folks are saying that. It goes on, if it's only heard on the audio but wasn't heard in person, I think that pretty much defines it. Uh, I hear both a scream and it could be the wind, but if that was the wind, it would have been audible to him in person. I've heard EVPs on other ghost sh- shows and slamming doors, footstep ex- footsteps, etc. Not a voice, but still a very ghostly sound. Um, yeah. Oh, and like we said, he was laying on the couch when he called us. Yeah, he said that it couldn't have been anything. Uh, what's interesting about that sound is a lot of our listeners are saying that after hearing it, they had uh, stomach pains. Yeah. And Richard said he had stomach pains when he got up from the call. Mm-hmm. So that's disturbing. Yeah, it is. Marcy writes, and I took my headphones off the first time you played Richard's call because of the pain I felt the last time. But then you played it more often. Uh, and I put my headphones back on and got severe pain in my temple this time and tossed my headphones off. Last time was a sharp pain in my stomach. Uh, another person follows it up. I'm with you. That noise reminded me of a paranormal haunting my family had at the exact same noise. Tony played it over and over, and now and I started with a headache, and honestly, I got scared. So, uh, there you go. Maybe when we suspect that, we shouldn't just play it like, five or six times in a row but just like oh maybe that was something maybe play it once or warn people yeah i think i'll warn you in advance i'm sorry um i mean we will not know on initial calls i'll tell you that much because uh, we don't listen to the calls in advance so if something shows up on a richard call or any call uh it's gonna go out the first time without warning because we do not know what's in these calls no until we, we play them back we only listen to them the first time together with you guys. But if we uh, if we do a playback like we did on that the other day and we were kind of analyzing it, I will warn you uh, in advance because that's that's just weird. That's that's that just kind of does disturb me. Where other people other than Richard like are physically feeling ill. Is that a sensitive thing? I think it can be. It's not something that, believe it or not, something that, you, that I deal with. No. 
That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's that's something uh, I want to ask uh, Cisco about that. I mean, I totally believe these people are feeling. I I'm not doubting them at all. I'm just wondering how how is that? What is that? What is that? Why is that? I don't know. Yeah, it's spooky. Um, by definition, that's what we talk about on the show. Huh. Uh, Jane writes in, never, never burn a Ouija board. Never burn anything that holds negative or unknown energy because it releases it from the object and it can settle anywhere around or even in you. Many, re- many religions burn incense, herbs, pieces of paper with prayers on them to release positive energy. So I guess uh, burning the Ouija board is not a great idea. That makes sense. Uh, that That makes me think of the the Warren's house and their room of relics. People ask, you know, what's going to happen when she dies? Yeah. I mean, their son is into it. Their son, I'm guessing, honestly, their son's probably going to take it over and they probably will, or their nephew rather, I'm sorry, will probably take it over and it will be there. Uh, but, um, some people have suggested, well, they're going to burn it, you know, they're going to sell it or whatever. And the thing that I believe Lorraine has said about uh, burning those objects or destroying them uh, is that what could happen with them is whatever is in some of these things, like the Annabelle doll, for example, could then travel back to the original people it was going after because it's been released from the the item and all their other crazy shit in there that's scary as hell uh, could also then return to its essentially original owners, okay. if you will. And a lot of times those cases were kind of put to rest or put to bed and the objects were removed. Um, And that could suddenly, you know, bring them all right back. Okay. So, interesting. Uh, Jesse Lynn writes in, uh, okie dokie, light as a feather, stiff as a board. I remember we were talking about this the other day and I said, (laughs) I remember kids talking about it and I don't know what, how it was. Although thought to be a supernatural game, it isn't just a, it is just in fact a physics game. One person lays on the ground most of the time, the lightest smallest, and the others gather around him or her. Two fingers from each hand are placed under the body, at the shoulders, lower back, legs, and other body parts, depending on how many people are playing. As you chant, light as a feather, stiff as a board, the player on the ground makes his or her body stiff as a board, while the lifters make the body levitate using only their fingers. It is, in fact, has nothing to do with witchcraft, but is associated with it because of craft. As much as I love the movie, it does not give an accurate portrayal of Wicca or paganism. Uh, thought uh, it is uh, partially responsible for its spike in the middle, though it is uh, partially responsible for its spike in the mid to late 90s. It is really just physics. Okay. Which That's, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's one of those things where it's kind of an illusion. Uh-huh. You, you think, how can this possibly be? Well, it, we have that many people, you know. It, it's it's like, not exactly like, but it's it's kind of where the people will walk on nails, like the carnival sideshow or something. How are they not falling through or laying on a bed of nails? Yeah. It's because there's so many of these objects supporting you. Granted, they're all spiky. You know, if you just stepped on one nail, it would go through your foot. You know, or go through you if you just laid on it. Right. But because there's, you know, 80 of them, it can support in all these different areas and the weight is more balanced. Weight distribution. It's a weight distribution. Okay. There you go. I was horrible at science class, but there you go. (laughs) So it's like this kind of thing, you know, and then that happens and then, yeah. So that's my explanation. 
James writes in the uh, phenomenon. This is going way back to a previous episode uh, where we're talking about uh, the other uh, image uh, of the individual going through the house where the family members would see the family member. You mean astral projection? Yes, astral projection. Okay. Uh, But James writes in and says it's a doppelganger. Not necessarily astral projection. Okay. Okay. So it could be either, really, in my opinion. This could go either way. Um, But the doppelganger. And James says, my wife had one when she was young. It was seen in school by the principal when she was homesick with her mom. Doppelgangers don't usually do harm. I believe they are evil spirits because my wife had a super haunted house at the time. Okay. So... Not necessarily astral projection, but could be a doppelganger. Now, is a doppelganger more like a solid figure like you or me? Mm -hmm. It's like you have a twin. Kind of. But you don't really have a twin. Yeah. Okay, but the astral projection is more translucent like an apparition? I think it could really go either way. But I think the the astral projection, and this is just my opinion based on this, this plethora of stories we've heard on the subject, um... The astral projection, the projection typically doesn't interact with people. Um, it doesn't uh, talk to people. It's just kind of passive in there. Okay. Uh, the doppelganger, uh, there's some weird, creepy stories we've heard of those where it's full-on interaction. Um, yeah. But uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily have the knowledge of the person that it's the doppelganger of. But assumes the role of the person. Okay. Because we had a story a while back of the man who slept with his wife's doppelganger. Yeah, you told us At least, that story. Or that could be one hell of an elaborate story that he came up with for uh, cheating on his wife. <laughs> but, but <laughs> really, were, honey, it was your doppelganger. But there were other witnesses. They went out to dinner there with was. another couple. There was. You're right. There, there absolutely was. So. And the couple uh, commented that they thought the wife was ill or something because she was very quiet at dinner. Interacted somewhat but didn't seem to have knowledge of what the wife would have knowledge of and didn't interact very much. Okay. But did, in fact, communicate. That's so, creepy. Yeah, that's completely creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's one, that, that was one of the creepiest stories. That's right up there to me with the, uh, <laughs> the zombie ghost clowns. Yeah, uh, it is. As just being utterly bizarre and scary and creepy and just weird enough and... You know, not not too far out there where it feels like this really probably happened. You know, I don't have a lot of doubts about it that this, you know, uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. We would absolutely love it if you called in and shared your real ghost story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to one of those calls. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Megan calling from Oregon. I have called in before um, and have written in, uh, and the more that I listen to stories, the more things that I remember um, from childhood and even more recent things that I had chalked up to my imagination um, or just remembering something falsely. um, And it's really, really interesting to hear how many people have similar experiences experiences to me um and so essentially you know I've had experiences my whole life um of seeing and hearing things that other people didn't um 
and knowing things, uh, which has come up uh, in a recent episode that I found really interesting. Um, I know things and remember them that um, people claim happened before I was born, and this is something that didn't happen with just my family, but also if I would go over to a friend's house, um, and needless <laughs> to say, it was um, disturbing to people. Um, when this happened, so it was something uh, my parents did uh, end up having me go to therapy and, and I tried to block it out for a good amount of my childhood. Um, but before that happened, um, I had three imaginary friends and I don't remember a time when I didn't have them. Um, I don't ever remember them not being there. and. Uh, one was a young girl, but older than me by about eight or nine years. Um, and we played together. I remember really feeling very, very close to her. Uh, she's with me all of the time. And at some point um, later on in the years, my parents started to become concerned. My dad asked me some more questions about uh, this friend of mine and when I told my father the name he looked really really shocked and upset and I was so young I had never seen anything like that on my father's face before and very soon after I heard him having a conversation with my mother and again, it would happen pretty often that I would hear things like arguments that I really shouldn't have uh, based on where I was in the house. Um, but I could hear them talking clear as day about um, a sister that I never knew I had that was my father's first baby who died uh, just a couple of months after she was born and it's something that uh, no one had ever shared with me um, or my other sisters that I did have um, but they talked it up to you know I must have you've seen or heard something that that made me come to that conclusion um, but I remember you know, really clearly you know that it didn't come from me um, you know, I definitely did not feel like it was something I was conjuring up um, and after this conversation I overheard with my parents I asked her about it and said if you were a baby when you died, how can you be this age? And I will never forget what she said because it in the end made me question all three of these imaginary friends um, that I had. And she said, I can appear to you however I want. Um, and shortly after that, I started to have another imaginary friend who was a uh, man like in his mid-50s who said that he was a poet. Um, and he was constantly reading me poetry. Um, 
And then a, another friend appeared that never was there when the other two were. Um, he always appeared separately, and it was a man dressed in a rabbit costume, um, but definitely you know, was not a rabbit. I did not think it was a rabbit, um, but did always have this mask on. And the other two were very, very wary of it. Um, and I remember the girl imaginary friend reminding me that friends can appear however they want to. Um, and very quickly after the appearance of this the rabbit man, um, he started asking and more so demanding um, that I do things that I, I know that I was young enough that I didn't know what would happen. Um, you're old enough to know that like these were bad things to do. Um, for example, um, I remember we were driving on a highway and him telling me to take off my seatbelt and open the door and try to get out. Um, you know, almost causing a really bad accident, but nothing bad did happen. Um, I remember him telling me to jump from the roof um, of our one-story house, so you know, not a gigantic jump, but um, pretty big one for a four-year-old. Um, and also, I had a canopy bed, and I remember him telling me it was a good idea to climb up on top of it um, and hide inside there, uh, which, of course, it broke, and I ended up hurting myself, but again, not really badly. Um, but it escalated to the way that he was telling me to hide, um, and I'd be missing for so long, my parents would call the police. Um, so that was some of my memories of, of my friends. Um, like I said, I ended up going to see a therapist who convinced me, you know, it was all in my imagination and, you know, that, that I needed to just block out anything that I thought was that I was seeing or hearing. Um, and it wasn't until uh, eighth grade um, when things started to happen again after um, another kind of frightening incident. But I've talked long enough for today. Um, and uh, thanks so much for being an outlet for people to be able to share stories like this. Because um, it's a, before I listened to your podcast, I'd never heard of other people um, remembering things that occurred before their birth um, and things like that. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you had some demon friends there, it sounds like. Yeah, that's like it. That was disturbing. Um, and it probably, you know, it sounds like it probably, if we're going to you know, count the friends, it probably really wasn't three different friends. It was probably the one thing doing exactly what it said. It can appear to her any way it wanted to. Right. And it just continued to take, um, you know, for lack of a better term, seductive type images to a young girl um and not sexually seductive but you know just you know entice or maybe enticing that's you know, a better word enticing images to a young girl that would a bunny costume someone reading poetry um 
you know, another uh, little girl, you know, a playmate, um, you know, and essentially, you know, just kind of doing whatever it could to lure her to trust it or it's or whatever the hell it was. Right. That's disturbing. I mean, what would you do as a parent? Um... Well, I think the hard part with as young as she was would be getting a clear picture of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, because it could, it would be hard to know. Mm-hmm. Is there something wrong with my child mentally, you know, or is there actually something going on? Yeah, and I'm not sure. Well, maybe the the parents that listen to our podcast, but I would say probably other parents, probably that wouldn't be one of the first thoughts they'd have about, no. is there something, you know, demonic that's trying to play with my child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And, and how do you when you go to the therapist office? How does that end? How, I mean, I'd be curious to hear from her how that eventually played out. You know, with the therapist saying, you know, block these things out. You know, because can you block something like that out? I just I think it depends on how forceful it is. Yeah, you know, because we've heard about just regular old ghosts that. Yeah they get more active the more you try to ignore them. Sure. Let alone something demonic. How did... Uh, I, I have so many questions for her. <laughs> About like, okay, so how did that end with the therapist? How did you... Did your parents ever come to think that... Or, or come to accept that it was more than, you know, you having a an active imagination? You know, I mean, the sign, obviously, of the name of the unborn sister um you know all those things you know i think that would be disturbing and and how do you how did they handle it how did they help you through it until those things kind of passed on i'd love to hear the follow-up yeah as to what happened um later on or as you got a little bit older please do call back and uh, and share that with us. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into our show with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. Toll-free call. And uh, call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's kind of the fast pass to get your story on the show. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Tony Bruski. Um, I love your show. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, my name is Ben. I drive a I drive a uh, eighteen wheeler from Dallas, Texas to McKellen, Texas, twice a week. Um, it's a good little run, but I wanted to uh, tell you my little uh, adverse sighting. But uh, before I do, I wanted to give a little backstory uh, on that. Uh, there's a little piece of uh, there's a stretch of highway that I that has a lot of illegal immigrant foot uh, foot traffic. Now, McAllen is a border town near uh, near Mexico. Uh, McAllen, you can see literally see Mexico right across right across the river. Uh, but anyway, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, illegal immigrant activity down the stretch of highway that, that I don't drive on, especially at night. Uh, when these folks cross over to the United States, they they some of these people literally die trying. And, uh, and there's a lot of crosses along the highways, along the Texas highway, and a lot of uh, crosses along the uh, fences on this on this ranch land. I can't help but to think that these are the people that, that are just lost, lost souls that, 
never made it. Now, when when if something ever happens, you know, they are literally left for dead. If they get bitten by a snake or some kind of spider or something poisonous, they are literally left for dead. They're not getting any help for these folks. Um, I, I I see a lot of people that get separated from their groups, and uh, they're just tired and weary and no longer want to continue on. They they, they just want to go right back south. So uh, so they go to the nearest highway and try to wait people down to get it right down to the south. I don't ever stop because there's also a lot of uh, legal drug illegal, uh, drug trafficking there. So I, I won't stop for anybody, especially at time of night. Um, I see these people a lot. You know, I'll wave people down. Uh, I, I, they have their little gallons of water out. They're all dressed in black, you know, to uh, uh, to keep themselves hidden from Border Patrol. And and I think nothing of it. I, I, I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them, but I can't stop. I can't stop for them. I got to keep on going, and, and I won't stop. Uh, there was just one in particular night. Uh, I had just finished, I passed up a, a rest area just outside of Fortias, Texas. Now, I know you mentioned something about your creepy rest areas. This rest area, this is where a lot of illegal immigrants stop to uh, meet up with their rights to go further into, into the United States. Uh, well, I had just finished up uh, leaving that area. Uh, I hung up with my wife and daughter. I was on a phone with them kissing them goodnight. And, uh, and such. And right when I was driving down this highway, I can only see as far as my headlights will allow me to see. The the nose of my truck met up with this apparition. I, what I saw was a body mass. And I didn't have time to swerve to the left. It just appeared. It was as if it was hobbling or, or dragging its feet. His head was hanging down. His head was hanging down. Hair, the hair was covering its face. They were walking extremely slow. As soon as I passed it, I just started to cry. That never happens to me. You know, it, it doesn't happen at all. But when I saw this one thing, I just started to cry. As soon as I saw it, I called my wife and daughter and just asked them to pray. Pray for me and pray for whatever that was that I saw. Later on, I started thinking, I can't help but to think how many lost souls are, are in this ranch land. They just died trying. Anyway, that's... Like I said, I, I don't, I'm not trying to change anybody else's view. That's just a little backstory of what I saw. Uh, it was really scary. Uh, it, it's, ever since then, my eyes are just peeled now. I'm driving to the same highway now as I speak. And, uh, well, that's my story. Sticking to it. I love you guys. I love what you do. And, uh, Keep up the good work. Bye-bye.
Thank you for the call and thank you for the story. You know, it's it's not surprising that there's you know those sort of things popping up on the roads. You know that, that that's going to be a, a place. You know, is you know think somewhat already, but in time, in history, is going to look back and go that those roads, those are very haunted places, just from the sheer amount of you know people that have passed through those areas. And the sheer amount that have never made it and were unaccounted for. and That whole area. Yeah. I mean, just the... You know, it's dark. It's dark, and it seems like it always will be fairly, fairly dark because of all the energy that's, you know, going on there. Well, know? and there's so much fear. Yeah. Just un- unquestionable. So much fear. Yeah. And just energy in general. I mean, because, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's, there's probably a little... Bit, there probably is some positivity there, too. Like, once... You know, people are over, you know, and they've made the journey and and they're going into something new, you know, sometimes. But there's also, you know, the sadness, too, of you have to leave your family. You have to, you know, the the journey itself. So there's just heavy emotions all around. Yeah, but you've got to think about once they are here, they live in that constant fear of getting caught. Getting caught, sure. You know? Sure. I can't think of a worse energy than the energy of fear. Yeah. I really can't. And I I never would have ever thought that's why I liked his story so much is mm-hmm. because it's one of those that you don't hear every day and yeah. it's completely different than what we normally hear and I love that. I mean, I love all the stories we get, but that was just completely different and I like thinking that, you know, that we're keeping them company on that that's a long trek from Dallas down there. Yeah. Shout out to Texas. I'm I'm a Texan, so <laughs> sure. there. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, really good story. Um, yeah. You know, would love to hear more if you got more from the road. Uh, love to have you participate in the show more. So uh, thank you for uh, reaching out and uh, calling in. Phone number toll free 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Be sure you press that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube, whatever you're listening to us on. That helps us out tremendously, and it helps you too. You have to search for the show every time you want to find a new episode. It comes right to you. So press subscribe. Let's go to the phones again. Hi. Hi, my name's Brian, and I'm uh, from Arkansas. Um <clears throat> like your show um been listening to it for the past couple of weeks and subscribed and uh it's really awesome um anyways about 10 years ago um i was in college and um some friends and i wanted to go to this um you know artificial haunted hospital um uh, about an hour away and um so um, we we were going. We were just really excited and um, gotten. We got there, uh, pulled up, and uh, just the hospital is real creepy. It looked a lot like um, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, The House on Haunted Hill, like the remake. I mean, it kind of kind of looks like that. It kind of gives you a really uh, creepy vibe to it. Um, but anyways. Um, some friends and I, when we were waiting in line, there was a huge line out the door, and uh, we decided that you know we were, you know we waited out and everything. So, anyways, we're just talking, just chatting, goofing around, and everything. And so, um, I look up, um, I look up into about the third or fourth story. I think it was, I think it was the fourth story, and I look in a window, and um, there's a. Uh, Look like a woman. There was of all the all, all the rooms. There was one curtain pullback, um, 
all the other rooms seemed to have the curtain pulled back over it and everything. And it was dark and everything. But one curtain was pulled back on the fourth floor. And I looked a little bit closer and the, there was like somebody standing there. And uh, it looked like it was somebody with long, dark hair, um, you know, dark places where the eyes are. I couldn't really make out eyes or anything. Um, but, um, and it looked like she was wearing something white, you know, kind of typical, like you hearing ghost stuff and everything. It looked almost like a hospital gown. So, we, so, you know, I, I, you know, it's weird. I mean, I, you know, looked at her and looked like, you know, her mouth was moving and everything. So I, I didn't think too much of it. It was creepy. But I didn't think too much of it because it was, you know, this is a, you know, man-made haunted place, you know. So, um, so anyways, I turned to my friends. I'm just like, oh, man, look at there. And, you know, of course, just like in the movies and all the stuff, we look up there and there's nobody in the window. And I looked, I was like, maybe I was looking in the wrong window and looked at all the windows and all the curtains were back in place. Um, so anyway, so I was just like, okay, that's really weird. And that's a really cool effect. If that's really what it is. And um, so anyways, we wait in line a little bit longer and, um, and we get up to the front and the guy is, you know, collecting tickets, collecting money for tickets, is sitting there, and, you know, he's just kind of, um, you know, kind of playing it up. He's giving the, the rules. He's like, you know, no, you know, hitting any of the, uh, the ghosts or, you know, no, you know, no punches or, you know, you know, keep your, you know, hold, hold the hands of the people next to you, you know, stick close together, you know, all that, all those difficult rules and everything. So, and he was kind of playing everything up as, you know, just, uh, you know, just, ooh, you know, uh, watch out for da-da-da-da-da and all this stuff and everything. So I was just like, you know, so I talked to the guy, and I was just like, okay, well, you know, cut the crap, guy. Let's, you know, let's uh, show me what, you know, tell me is this place is really haunted. And he, you know, all of a sudden he got serious. Like, you could tell he was kind of in this jovial, you know, spooky voice, that, you know, prior to this, but, you know, then all of a sudden he kind of got serious, and he was just like, yeah, this um, this place is, uh, you know, actually pretty haunted. And um, he was just like, uh, you know, there's a couple times we've had, had people at this hospital um, when we were setting up the place that people would hear screams um, down the hallways and um, uh, and they would hear doors open and shut and slam and, um, you know, they would hear people talking and all this stuff when people were there all by themselves. And um, so... And, you know, and I was just like, I was like, well, you know, I asked, I was like, well, you know, what else? You know, is there, is there anything else? And, you know, what about, you know, on the other floors? And he was just like, well, um, we're not allowed to be about the first floor. Um, it's uh, the floor is unstable. We're only allowed to have the first floor in the basement, you know, the morgue area and everything. Um, but the <clears throat> anything about the, the ground floor, um, the first floor was not allowed to go up because the ground is unstable, you know, it's an old hospital, um, you know, things could collapse on us and everything. So all the stairwells, all the elevators, every way to get up into the second floor and above were blocked off. <clears throat> and, uh, and then he was, and then he proceeded to tell me that, um, he was just like, but there's one thing that, you know, we get lots of reports of, um, and that there's this woman, uh, that's, um, on um, about the third or fourth stair, I can't remember which one he um, floor. I can't remember which one he said, and uh, <clears throat> and he was saying that uh, you know there's this woman 
and, uh, you know, with, you know, no eyes and it's dark and everything, but, you know, she's mouthing something and she's wearing a hospital gown. Uh, she has long, dark hair and, um, you know, and she looks out the window and, you know, even in broad daylight, we've had people, <clears throat> you know, look up at her, you know, it looks like she's trying to, you know, tell you something, but she, um, but when she's telling you, uh, you know, but when she's talking, you don't hear anything. Um, you don't hear any noise, and it's really creepy. And when people, you know, look the other way to maybe tell somebody, she's always gone. Um, so, uh, anyway, so that's pretty much my story. Um, I, you know, I don't. It seems pretty valid to me. Uh, it, you know, they were. Um, I came. I wanted to look more into the hospital, um, but you know, I came back the next year, and the hospital was torn down. Uh, so obviously, it was in pretty bad shape, but. I don't know if, um, you know, um, it, it was just a really creepy experience and, uh, probably the, I think if, if it is true, it's the only time I've ever seen a full bodied apparition. So anyways, um, that's it. And, uh, thank you for hearing my story and maybe I'll make it on the air and, uh, y'all, Tony and Jenny keep doing what you do and, uh, appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for your call. Well, I guess that's what happens when you go to a haunted house, right? You get a real haunted house. <laughs> that's just a bonus. It's uh, it's always interesting when you can do a haunted house in uh, in an actual uh, haunted location. Um, you know, so I, I've been to I think you know a lot of the haunted houses I've gone to were kind of like the ones that were put on like by the JCs and things of that nature, and they were they were they weren't bad. They were just kind of your typical local haunted houses. Um, but there's been so many I'd love to go to, and I produce a lot of the haunted house radio ads around the country uh, for some of these, and it's amazing where some of these things are taking place. You know, there's a lot like that are going into these hospital like type settings, abandoned buildings, um, a lot of the warehouses and stuff. Uh, you know, that were. You know, once, you know, meatpacking plants and things of that nature. Like the old brick warehouses? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of cities have those sort of things going on because their giant space is perfect for this sort of thing. And the spooky thing is a lot of times the rest of the year they're just abandoned. Uh-huh. But but some of these things, um, what's kind of neat in some cases is some of these haunts have gotten so big uh, every year that it's like a year-round business where some of these haunts have literally bought some of these buildings up, kind of given them new life as, you know, fake haunted attractions, you know, but some of them actually do have ghosts in them. Um, And some people now are doing more than just Halloween haunted houses. Um, In some areas, they have uh, haunted houses at Valentine's Day. Okay. I've done some some commercials for those, which is I think a really cool concept. Uh huh. Because um, it's like, what what better way, you know, for Valentine's Day, you go to a spooky, you know, you can be close to each other, and you know. Well, sure. Yeah. She's gonna hang on. It's a great yeah. idea. Um, and and there's some other times throughout the year too, um, where they're doing haunts. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, other than you know tourist towns that always have your local haunted house that goes on. Um, you know, I I just. I think it'd be cool if there was more of those all over the country where you could go to a haunted house any time of the year. Probably not going to get us, you know, enough business to survive, but I just, I, you know, it's what we do. <laughs> yeah. It's something weird. We think it's a great idea. Fiscally, probably not all that, that sensible though. But uh, uh, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jen. Uh, this is Griffin from Los Angeles again. Uh, 
few things I just wanted to go over. First off, so happy you guys set up that subscription stuff because uh, I was going to get a shirt and I'll probably save up for one for Christmas, but it's nice to just be able to give you guys some type of donation to keep you guys running this thing every day like you guys are right now. It's awesome to hear all these stories and everyone coming together. Um, other thing I wanted to bring up was I'm listening to past one the most recent episode today uh, where you had the guy who had written in who kind of pissed you guys off a little bit because he was bringing up oh people haven't gotten Jesus and that's the people who are being attacked and all of that um, and one of the things I really like about this show is that everyone's pretty open about uh, religion no one really attacks each other or not attacks, but doesn't say that if you haven't found this certain religion that uh, everything's going to be worse off for you. It's, and that's kind of the point I wanted to bring up was when you really look at it, there's so many different backgrounds just from on your guys' show coming in. We've got people who are probably Jewish, probably people who are Christian. I myself am an agnostic atheist. We've got all these different perspectives coming in at the same time, and everyone's correlating around these same issues. And when you think about it, anything from exorcisms to smudging to all the stuff stuff in Wicca, uh, they all seem to work in the end. And that really demonstrates that it's not about what religion you're following or what it is that you're doing to communicate. Um, it's just having that positive energy and really being downright demanding that whatever is attacking you or is harming you, leave your presence and get you out of there. Uh, now, being an atheist, I have nothing against religion because I do feel that there's people who need it. It comes to, brings people together. It builds morality. And when it comes to these different attacks, if you have something as strong as religion to base yourself off of, it is a ton easier to fight this stuff back. And that's why I think we see a lot of the exorcisms or people doing the smudging. And they do have these things clear up a bit more. Um and it kind of relates to the Ouija board in the opposite uh, realm of everything. It's kind of like you're antagonizing them, saying, uh, now your intent isn't kicking them out, your intent is bringing them in. And so, uh, like you guys have been saying, it doesn't really matter if the board's 10,000 years old or if you've got a Ouija board from Fisher Price. Uh, no matter what, you're going to have... You you can open up a doorway to very bad things happening to you. The one thing I will say is that the only difference might be that there could be attached energy to the older boards, thus making them more prominent to having an attack against you. But in the end, you're still opening that door. You're still releasing that energy into the world that, hey, I'm here, come on through, and you now have an open door and you never know who's going to come through and uh, you know crash your party uh, that was pretty much all I wanted to say I loved how everyone just sticks together in this thing um, I mean I wish I had something to say for Richard because his case sounds really extreme and that uh, if you guys are calling in an EVP or not that sound that came on his phone call 
that was the first thing on this show that literally gave me chills. I got goosebumps all over when I heard that thing come through. Um, I mean, the best thing I could say is just relaying back to what uh, I was saying at the beginning of this phone call is just try and keep that mood up. Because uh, if you guys remember my story, every time that I start getting down and getting that depression, everything starts coming back. And fighting that depression and getting over it and trying not to be afraid of what's happening to you can be the hardest thing in the world. Because the more and more it happens, the lower you go into that hole, and the lower you are into that hole, the more that they keep on piling on this attack and everything. Um, so I hope he can find someone maybe in his community can outreach to really get some, some support that's maybe a little closer to home, but I know he's getting so much love from everyone on this podcast and we're all sending him good vibes his way. So, uh, I hope it's helping him at least a little bit, uh, getting all these phone calls and everything. And I mean, it really does seem like that's what this whole thing's now coming to. I started listening to you guys a couple months ago. And to see it grow into this whole community that's just really united is fantastic. Um, that, that's all I got to say, guys. So uh, keep on trucking with the show. Keep on supporting all these people. Um, and have a good day, guys. Bye. Well, thanks, Griffin. We always enjoy your calls. And sounds like you're doing well. Um, and thanks for, you know, weighing in from your point of view, being an agnostic atheist, you know, th- we, we try to not offend, with, you know, our views or our lack of views sometimes, but, you know, when we've got a letter from somebody that's trying to push their religion, that, that just irritates me, whether or not I share the same beliefs they do. I just think forcing ideas like that is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to express Mm-hmm. You know, your view and like, here's mine. What's yours? But yeah, I, I really hate it when it's like, here's mine and here's why you're all wrong. And I'm only going to tell you you're wrong because it just goes against my opinion. You know, it's like, well, you can have your beliefs. Nobody's stopping you. But let other people have theirs, too. You're never going to convert anyone if that's what your mission is by, you know, being an asshole about it. Really. Well, and one thing we know for sure this this paranormal stuff affects everybody, every yeah. walk of life. It doesn't discriminate. No, it's it doesn't. Much, it doesn't give a shit what your religion is. Uh, if it's going to go after you, it's going to go after you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a very good observation. Uh, Griffin, too, thank you so much for becoming an EPP. Uh, if you want to do that yourself, go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Click on the Become an EPP uh, graphic there. And you get a bonus episode every single week. We produce an extra one for you. And we'll have some uh, cool exclusive stuff on there for you. And there's going to be other cool exclusive stuff as well. And it's only 5 bucks a month. Uh, or if you want to do 10 or 15 you can. The option is there, but uh, at the lowest, 5 bucks a month. And uh, you, uh, you get all that extra stuff. And you're supporting the show. So it uh, all goes to help us continue to do this show for you every single day here at Real Ghost Stories online let's go to another call here at real ghost stories online hello you are on the air hi tony and jenny i called in a few weeks ago about my first and only witch board experience this is cherry from canada 
I'm going to tell you about my story back in the Philippines. I'm raised in Canada, but was born in the Philippines. I'm actually from a small town in the Philippines. Anyway, this is my story. It's regarding my grandpa's death. Um, in the Philippines, especially in the small town, the funeral home is only a place to have bodies embalmed and prepped for the wake. The wake itself is not held in the funeral. It's actually held in people's homes. And usually the wake lasts about five to, day, five to eight days um, to wait for family members from out of town. So our home was converted to a little funeral home type setup with chairs facing the casket, just like it would be in a funeral home. Guests and family members are welcome to view the casket all day until late at night, sometimes even 24 hours. Um, I was nine when my grandpa passed away. We had his casket at our house for a good eight hot days. Our house smelled like formaldehyde and candles. It was so hot in the house. And I remember his head oozing blood out of the back of his head where they stitched him up and it stained his pillow in his casket. Um, there were no hauntings occurred while his casket was at our house though. Not until the night when we actually buried him uh, that the haunting began. Our living room felt so um, empty, yet still wreathed with formaldehyde and candles, as if he was still there. And um, my family decided to uh, actually sleep together that night. Um, us four children and our mom and our dad in one king-size bed, which we all fit. Um, we did really miss our grandpa. Um, he was such a fun guy. He was actually really funny. Um, he like joked around haunting us when he would die or just because he knew we were afraid of ghosts, I guess. Um, but for the most part, he was, he's really nice. I've never seen him upset and um, be rude to anybody. He was just a fun loving guy. Um, but that night was a little different after we buried him. That was actually that same night. Um, our bedroom was actually right next to the kitchen. It was kind of like an open concept kind of thing where we could, there's no wall. <laughs> so our kitchen was like, well, our bedroom was facing the kitchen. Like, so we can see everything in the kitchen. Um, the story is my grandpa loves to eat. However, he wouldn't eat unless we offered him our food. So he's not the type that would just help himself. Uh, that night we uh, slept around 9 p.m. I think or 10 not really I don't really remember but it was a little bit like before midnight and around midnight or one we heard the plates in our drawing room started like banged against each other kind of um, and as if like the whole like someone picked up the whole drawing rack and started shaking it um, of course, we all got up uh, almost simultaneous, simultaneously to see who was making the ruckus. And, um, well, the dishes were going crazy, and we didn't believe it. It was, they were banging against each other, and no one was actually touching it. And, um, and there were, how many of us? Six of us that witnessed the whole thing. Um, I was really scared. I wanted to cry. Uh, my brothers were just, like, tell my mom and dad to, um, like tell it to stop or like something like get it to stop so i remember my mom and my dad uh, uh started uh saying like dad please stop the kids are getting really scared and they kept saying it over and over like dad keep 
please stop and the, the kids are getting scared. My parents themselves were so afraid, like, they don't want to show it, but we can tell they were afraid, so they kept repeating it, Dad, please, just stop it. Like, our kids are really getting scared. Um, well, it slowly stopped, um, it pretty much calmed down after maybe, it felt like, maybe, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably only like a minute or two. Uh, the dishes eventually stopped moving and banging, but my parents and brothers um, and I were still a little bit like shaken up uh, uh, after that. So um, we all huddled together in, in our bed and um, waited till the sunrise. I still couldn't believe it was my grandpa that would do such a thing. It just, it wasn't something that he would do. But then again, he's, he loves to joke around, so it's like it's kind of his character too, I guess. Um, so, anyways, we yeah we didn't really slept um, that night, so we just pretty much waited for the sun to rise. And um, about seven a.m. or six a.m. seven eight yeah seven six a.m. went to the kitchen and uh, we actually saw a plate on our dining table with half eaten chicken drumstick. Okay, so our house was locked and no one else was home but us. Our dining table had nothing on it before we went to bed on the night before and all our leftovers were put away in the fridge. None of us got up that night to eat, at least not that we can remember, and no history of sleepwalking in our family. Um, my cousins came over that day as well, and they said them, they themselves didn't get any sleep. Uh, they also experienced uh, some paranormal activities in their bedroom. Um, they think that my grandpa tried to pull the blanket off of them when they were sleeping. Um, it woke them up, and when they opened their eyes, there's no one there. Um, the following night, my family decided to put aside food for him as an offering and we prayed for him. There were no hauntings that night, and we left the food out all night for him. When we all woke up, part of us were expecting it, it, that the plate would be empty, maybe because of the half-chicken drumstick the night before. Um, so when we woke up the next day, the, uh, the plate wasn't empty. It was left untouched. We offered him food for the next couple of days, and we eventually stopped but continued to pray for him. There were no more hauntings after that first night. Um, my question is, is that something a ghost would do? Eat? Like, I mean, do ghosts get hungry? Can anyone explain why the chicken drumstick was half eaten? Because um, I won't be offended if it's not a ghost um, or if it was something else. I didn't think a ghost can physically eat something. Again, all doors and windows were locked. The drumstick had bite marks made by a human adult teeth. My parents both wear dentures, and they put their dentures away before bed in a jar in the bathroom. And neither of them got up to put their dentures on just to eat half a drumstick. Also, they will not leave food out like that. They're the type that would clean up after meals, and none of my brothers have big enough mouth to, had big enough mouth to make those kind of marks. Um, I guess it was really my grandpa, not really sure. Um, 
It fits his profile as a jokester, but who knows? It might be something else. There was no any. There's no earthquake that day or that night. Um, uh, none of the dishes broke. Thank goodness, I didn't. It didn't go flying off. Then, uh, if that was the case, then for sure that that wouldn't be my grandpa, because I know my grandpa wouldn't would never hurt. Anyway, let me know what you think of it. Um, I love your show. And um, thank you. And also a suggestion, um, maybe for this Halloween, do a on-location broadcast. Um, Jenny might not uh, like that idea, but maybe in a cemetery or uh, even somewhere creepy, not necessarily like haunted. And have some of your listeners that live near your area um, and maybe give them a chance to uh, see you guys in person and share their stories in person. I don't know, just a little uh, idea. Um, but anyway, thank you, and um, I hope I didn't mumble again. Uh, English is my second language. <laughs> thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the story. Thank you for the ideas. Um that's something, honestly, I'm, I have some questions about that myself, and maybe some folks can enlighten us. I know there's some cultures that leave um, food out, you okay. know, as an offering for for the dead. Uh-huh. Um, that's always been, I've always wondered about that, you know, because I, 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 just like she's wondering about it, it sounds like it's something in her culture, and she's asking, do dead, do they eat? Why do we do this? You know, I don't know. I was actually going to ask her <laughs> the same question. Like, what is, is, is it, um, more of a symbolism thing. I mean, is there ever the expectation? I should, I'll phrase it like this. If that's something that is done in your culture, leaving food out for the dead um, as an offering, is there ever the expectation that you're going to go see it eaten? You know? Or is it just a symbolic gesture? Yeah, I mean, I always take it just as kind of a symbolic gesture. There's some um, some Asian restaurants that'll eat at, and and I've seen that, like, literally at the cash register. There's, like, an altar-type thing with food out for it. Um, and maybe it's not for... I, I've assumed it because it looks rather religious that it's something for the dead. That's my assumption. I could be completely I think off. it's for their 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 god or their higher power. Sure. Okay, well, maybe it's for that. It Whatever it is for... Okay. My question is, does it ever get eaten? Is there ever the expectation for it to get eaten? Because it sounds like here she was very surprised that this thing was eaten, although it really wasn't left out to be eaten. That was done after, and those never got eaten. Have you ever heard of a ghost eating ever? No. I haven't either, and I just think that's fascinating. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, if it is... Something that they, it sounds like they do do in their culture, but they, they started leaving the food out after he broke into the fridge. Sure. <laughs> to get the, the goods um, and didn't eat anything then. Um, it, does it ever get eaten? Just fill me in. I'm curious. I'm really, I, I, I've always wondered about that. Well, hopefully somebody yeah. will fill us in. Does anyone have any, uh, have, has anyone ever had a ghost eat their food? That'd be another. I'd be interested to hear if there's more of that. Yeah. Going on. And if they did, what, what did they eat? <laughs> Did it upset you? (laughs) 
<laughs> was your chili gone the next day? Did they eat your prized prosciutto that you were saving for a sandwich? Oh, I think there's a chocolate ghost in our house. There's, there's got to be. That has to be what's going That's on. That's what's going on. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Please press subscribe, whatever platform you're listening to is on. You pressing that subscribe button lets those engines know that you like the show and it tells others about the show. So please press subscribe. You not only get the show that much more quickly, you don't have to search for it. Uh, it helps us out tremendously. Another way you can help us out and support the show is by becoming an EPP. You do that on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only 5 bucks a month, or you can do 10 bucks or 15 bucks. That's completely up to you. You get the same stuff either way. You support the show, number one, and the cost involved with us giving the show to you every single day for free. That's not going away. We give you some extra stuff as well. A free episode every single week in addition to the seven that we put out. You get an extra one and a whole bunch of other uh, cool free stuff. Uh, content-wise that uh, we're producing for you as a thank you from Real Ghost Stories Online. So please uh, help us out there. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.